Hi, I'm John Lovitz, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Andy Kindler discusses his nemesis. He hates Muslims. I mean, he really does. I mean, I'm not just... uh saying it for a fact. He, he, he says he hates all religions, but he really hates Muslims the most. We'll hear more from Andy in just a bit. We're going to forgo fake news again, kind of sticking with the summer schedule. The job hunt is going well, but uh, I still have been kind of busy trying to get everything sorted. So uh, we do have time for the hottest record in the world at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. But for now, let's get right to the interview with Andy Kindler. Andy Kindler is a stand-up comic and a frequent critic of the stand-up comedy world, but everybody still loves him just the same. Here now is our interview with Andy Kindler. Okay, joining us on PS Tape Recorder is the return of Andy Kindler. Andy, how you doing? I'm doing good. Very excited. I've been uh, sleeping on and off for weeks. <laughs> was well, a lot going on in the world of comedy. These are uh, these are turbulent times in comedy. It seems. Yes, you. Uh, it's uh, people are worried <laughs> that uh, political correct the PC police Jerry Seinfeld had a joke that didn't kill at a show. About it, it was a, the punchline was blah 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 gay French king, and now he's enraged about it. He doesn't want to play colleges anymore, which works out nice for him because he doesn't play colleges now. Yeah, I know. Cause he, <laughs> I, when was he playing college? See, I did, I didn't get that that whole thing about you know or or what are college kids not laughing at you know certain jokes or talking about offense. Yeah, you know, what happened was that uh, what happened was. Uh, that he heard his friends told him uh, don't play colleges anymore and his because I guess what happened I'm trying to reconstruct like those uh, crime shows to <laughs> reconstruct it so I'm sure he did this joke with the gay French king and uh, unlike Richard Pryor who expected controversy Jerry Seinfeld expects love at all times so mm-hmm. since he didn't get he says that it didn't kill they didn't and then uh, uh, he spoke to friends, and they said colleges are no good. And then his daughter made a comment, and then he got angry at that comment that his daughter made about something being sexist, and that's the way Jerry Seinfeld makes uh, decisions. Three isolated events, none of which involve playing colleges. Well, a couple of years ago, I was doing an open mic, and this guy shows up, and he says, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I recruit for... Uh, for college shows, and, I'm, and I also perform, so I'm going to try some stuff out here, and they let me on, uh, and even though I didn't bring anybody, just bring five people, it's a bringer show here in Cincinnati. I'm like, oh, well, that, that's cool. So he goes up there, and he launches into this thing about uh, substitute teaching in Las Vegas, and how it's mostly uh, uh, black kids, and he said, they, they threatened him by saying, we're going to, uh, my daddy's going to beat you up, and, and I said, we don't even know who your daddy is. And I'm like, really? I'm glad you put those urban kids in their place, sir. And and this guy is a guy who right. goes to colleges, so I'm thinking, I don't think there's really any danger. People are still laughing at you know at, at stupid, lame stuff. Yes. 
Well, I mean, you can certainly make the argument that when you go to college, the other part of the thing is that colleges have always been terrible to play. You know, I've been making a joke only in the movie Annie Hall where college is good to play. <laughs> so it's like they, they've always been, they hire like uh, in the 80s when I started, I went on these, you know, what they called NACA. Yeah. Um, and they're basically when you're, they're block booking people and they're okay together, it's like a big bazaar. And uh, they're booking like uh, the trillerists and jugglers. Not that there's anything that, as disciples, and not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. But uh, to all of a sudden uh, go by the college circuit as a gauge of anything. So yeah. All of a sudden, he just it's just it's very strange. I think he's I don't know. He's maybe he's did his bank account dip below two billion. I don't know. <laughs> that that is strange. Um. Uh, I was going to say, um, uh, 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 on that. Say- oh, the the other uh, big, um, uh, of course, uh, soldier for uh, political correctness is uh, your old buddy Bill Maher, and um, it, it, it's odd that he uses that platform so he can make Asian driving jokes, which I think he should be chastised not for racism but for for being lame. I mean, he's uh, he should be better than that. Well, he's always been a terrible joke teller. I think we can all agree with that. <laughs> Scientists have established that he can't tell a joke after all these years. It's been fifty years since he's been doing stand up, and he's still saying, "I kid the president." Yeah. And so he wants to be. He also is just a guy who wants because he has. He's a a, a bigot. He, he hates Muslims. I mean, he really does. I mean, I'm not just uh, saying it for a fact. Yes. He, he 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 says he hates all religion, but he really hates Muslims the most. So then he just concludes that uh, it's okay for him to say that that Muslims are bad because uh, he and because somehow it fits into his religious thing or whatever the thing is. So he's you know, and the other thing was he got hired to do the commencement address at Berkeley. Yes, and uh, they kept saying, and they wanted to replace him once once the kids heard some of his horrible things he said on his show. And then then he's also with the free speech, the free speech thing is, uh, I think, one of the bo- most bogus issues being raised today, especially when people like Lenny Bruce actually lost work and suffered for what they for what they said. Yeah. And, uh, but now, now free speech is used for people to want to justify, it's used for people to say, I want to be able to say whatever I want, but I don't want your free speech to complain about it. Yeah, so exactly. it's, it's, only, it's only certain free speech that are... Uh, they want to protect, but they want to silence. You know, Jerry Seinfeld somehow wants to, I don't know what he wants to do, but he wants to somehow, uh, quick, he's going to say he's in a quick comedy, or comedy is doomed because, uh, because someone may object to something that somebody says. Yeah, I mean, so, you, you know. They're not that funny. I'm not, that, I'm not being as funny as I could be about <laughs> it. Or not funny at all. Well, no, this so is, I guess I'm being unfunny about we, it. We, we, look, we look for uh, comedy comedy investigator, policeman, detective inspector Andy Kindler to be on the case. That's why we... Uh, yeah, you're, you come to me for the serious side. I'm doing the serious side of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you got in some kind of a Twitter dust-up, too, uh, I noticed on Facebook. You said some, somebody blocked you. Well, I guess that probably happens a lot with... Uh, but um, what was the controversy there? I couldn't quite piece that one together. Was that today or that was recently? About two weeks ago. Oh well, I don't know. Everybody blocks me, so I don't remember who it was. I know that Richard Dawkins has blocked me. I know William Shatner blocked 
me, so I don't really? know which blocking it was about. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, Captain Kirk blocked you. Incredible. Oh, Kathy Griffin blocked me. That's right. Kathy Griffin blocked me. Well, I expect people to block me, but uh, we were actually getting along, so... Hmm. Uh, uh, well, getting along in a certain way, but I still put her... My whole thing with her is that uh, she... I don't even know what my whole thing with her is, but <laughs> she's always talking about her gaze, and she objectifies people, and uh. she changes her... Every anecdote with Kathy Griffin ends up with a... Uh, oh, I remember what the big thing was, though. She was... Uh, she left that show uh, with the, the dress where they make fun of the dresses. Yes. The, the Joan oh, Rivers. Yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Joan Rivers that passed away. I'm not crazy. I know she did. So then Kathy Griffin left. I guess one of the women on that show uh, said something and didn't know what she was saying. Well, yeah, she apologized for it. And then Kathy Griffin decided, so I can't do this kind of comedy uh so I'm leaving. Meanwhile, this is the same woman who called Renee Zell Zellweger a coked up whore. You know, it's like <laughs> she she wants to make it like she does she doesn't engage in personal attacks. So but it doesn't matter because uh it's not all about why people block me. It's just mostly that about that. Yeah. So are you doing the uh the the state of the uh industry speech again at Montreal this year? Yes, I'm going again, and I think it's my 19th year. I try not to focus on how many years I've been going there. I'd rather focus on how many years I have left on this planet. Some people <laughs> predict it could be two, three, up to 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 told, I, don't know, I, I told myself when I started comedy at 28 that if things didn't work out by the time I was 70 or 75, <laughs> I would cut back my schedule by the time I'm 80. <laughs> there you go. So, so I, I stand by that. I would imagine people are really looking forward to this year's speech then, though, like with uh, with all that's going on. Yeah, well, every year things present themselves to me, so I'm kind of lucky that I can, uh, uh, you know, like the Seinfeld thing was a gift to me yeah. out of nowhere, because who expected him to pipe up? And I love Seinfeld, too. I love Seinfeld, the show Seinfeld, yeah. and I don't even mind, and I, he made me laugh with his stand-up, too. Sure. But uh, the fact that he made a big deal out of this, he got on my bad side, which <laughs> the thing is, he doesn't realize it means nothing. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, so let me see what else we got to cover here. We got, of course, uh, Letterman uh, did his final show, of course. So yes, um, and I, I, I assume that hit you pretty hard too, because you're you, you've you know, well, like all of us, you've been a very big fan of his, but you particularly, uh, having worked on the show and stuff. Um, well, I was very happy on my last two appearances on the show. I was thrilled about it. It was one of those things where you know, to do a six... When you're trying to do like a six-minute set on TV, I think it's probably the hardest thing to do, depending on the style of comedy that you have. If, if you have a lot of short jokes, yeah. well, not jokes, not short, but brief jokes, uh, then you have a better chance than sometimes like... Uh, uh, someone like me, who for years would start off, for, you know, and still even now, I start my act off by not starting my act, you know, <laughs> yeah. just kind of like talking about stuff. So I was so thrilled about it. And last May, I after the set, he came over and I was able to say how much he meant to me because for people my generation, he's he's our Johnny Carson. You oh, know, yeah, he's absolutely. the king. Yeah, and uh, he was the reason why it, it was the only show I ever, not the only show, but that was my dream was to do his show. So. It is very sad. Um, um, I still haven't even watched this shows I've uh, DVR that I still have to watch because 
was hard for me to watch towards the end. Oh. Even though it was great, I didn't want to see. <laughs> I didn't want it to end. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Well, I think for our generation, uh, Johnny Carson is still Johnny Carson, but Dave was more like you're saying. He was more ours, though. He was real. That was. You know, yes, we had that absolutely. For John. And, uh, yeah, he spoke to our generation uh, directly. And as Bob Costa said back in 1988, before Dave came on to later, he said, hey, I didn't want to say this while Dave was here because he tried to deny it, but he has really set the comedy agenda. And that was true back in 88. Yes. And that went all the way through, you know, until, until the end. Yeah, there's no question. And, you know, he had ups and downs. You know, he, he will say himself that in the 90s he struggled a bit. He wasn't happy. and But it doesn't matter to me. He was always hilarious and nobody better in the moment than him oh, yeah. and also truly subversive in the sense that not trying to be subversive but kind of always making fun of he didn't he didn't uh invent making fun of of himself but he certainly took it to a new level you know oh, yeah. so and just making fun of the whole process and that's an honesty that you won't see from well certainly jimmy fallon it's funny, and now that you mention it, you know there was no no one who loved the medium more, and yet no one who poked fun at it more. Kind of the same way you do with stand up in in an odd way is that you know it's it had that that keen sense of what the medium was about and exactly how to skewer it without. Well, some people thought he was kind of a dick sometimes, but he, but it, it, but did it brilliantly. Yeah, well, there's no question that the part of his stand up that some people could uh, perceive as like oh it's mean or whatever, but that's kind of what I loved about him. I mean, he, he used to do that bit where he would uh, hose down the people in the street yeah. uh, outside the studio. Yeah. And was, like one time, even like six months ago, he goes, all right, now get on, like, go to the 42nd Street and get in the Port Authority Terminal and get the hell out of here. You know, it's that kind of thing. I didn't love yeah, I used to love when he used to tell people uh, in the summertime, he said, said uh, I was coming to work with people, don't come to New York City, we don't want you here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, we have enough yeah, tourists. Have, exactly, go home. Yeah, go home. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, Bob's Burgers, uh, uh, still still doing that? Yeah, I've been uh, the voice of Mort yeah. from the beginning, and uh, I continue to be the voice of Mort. It would be bad if I was replaced. That'd be sad. That would be. Uh, Fangirl still... Yeah. Uh, Fangirl is, uh, talked to you last time. She's still a big fan of the show, and I watch it uh, occasionally uh, with her, and my first question is always, is Andy on this one? She'll say, "Ah, uh, <laughs> that's the thing. That's what I hope that people watch TV in general." Say, "Yes, this one Mort's on." Is Andy on this? Whatever it is, you watching? You watching General Hospital? Is Andy yeah. going to be on this thing? Yeah, or or Marin, by the way. Which uh, yes, did you do season three? Uh, were you in any season three episodes? Yeah, and let the record show. I didn't. I'm not. I'm not prompting you to say. Well, I don't know if there is a record, but if there is a record, let it show. If you're bringing these things up on your own, yes. I didn't prompt you. No. Yeah, I did three episodes on the uh, third season. Cool. And uh, it will. It's uh, t- two of the ones I was on came out, and then I had one more. And I loved it. I loved doing the show. I'm a very lucky man. Uh, you're very hilarious on that. Uh, I, my favorite characters uh, that aren't Marin <laughs> are you and his assistant. I think it's his assistant funny. is amazing. Yeah, has a funny. And kid. there's also Dave, Dave Anthony, an old friend of mine. Oh, it's yeah, kind of right. cool. Yeah, and I got to meet Jerry Stahl, who I love, the writer oh, yeah. uh, who wrote the book *From Midnight*. Yeah, and the the movie was based on. He's he's a writer on the show this year, oh, and cool. he's fantastic. Yeah, um, I haven't seen season three only because I uh, don't have cable and therefore don't have IFC. So I binge watched one and two on Netflix. I'm just waiting for it to come around, season three to come around Netflix, and I can. Uh, yeah, I just got it. Netflix. I just recently got Netflix. I'm really getting. I'm going to get rid of my VHS player soon, <laughs> and 
really move into the to the present. Move into the 21st century. Yeah. Hmm. So what else you got going on, man? Uh, well, I still am supposed to have uh, released, it's going to be two years by the time it comes out, uh, uh, a CD called Hence the Humor. Oh, that's right. But it's one of these weird things. Uh, we moved last year to, uh, to a, a condo, and then my dad passed away earlier, uh. earlier this year. And uh, so, which I've been talking about on stage, and then at the end of talking about it, I say, my dad, those people always react weirdly when you talk about your your dad died. Yeah. And that's, at the end of it, I say that uh, my dad would have wanted me to do weak material about <laughs> him passing away. That would have, nothing would have made him feel better. That's funny. So I kind of got thrown off on things. And we're just finishing our 2013 taxes right now. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> so that's what's pushed everything back. back. That's my current excuse for why everything's late. Now, you were but, uh, that, that will come out towards the end of the year. Okay. And then uh, I'm always taking meetings. There's always people who will meet with me. They won't do a show with me, but they yeah. will meet with me. <laughs> they have some time to kill, have an hour. Let's bring Andy in. They, they enjoy it because they know I'm going to release entertainment. That's yes. what they know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, my, my favorite joke of yours lately, and uh, I, I don't know why it tickles me so, and I think you even did it on Mary. That was a whole funny scene in itself, but when uh, I think it's season one where you're standing outside Mark's dad's uh, mobile home, Judd Hirsch. And you just start doing material for the neighbors, and you do your uh, the, the Huey Lewis joke, which just kills me. Oh yeah, Huey Lewis and uh, uh, yeah, the name, if uh, Huey Lewis was a comedian, the name of his band would be Huey Lewis. What else is you? <laughs> I love that. Um, so, uh, what other things do you uh, do? You, would you like to be uh, doing? I mean, because you got get this big gig, of course, coming up in Montreal, and uh, trying to get the CD out the door. But any, any other things on the horizon that you want to get taken care of? I would like, well, I did this thing that I'm still kind of shopping around. It was called Kids Court. Oh, that's Where right. I was a, yeah. a judge for uh, little kids in their cases, which I love. I wanted to be America's, uh, the, the, the new Art Lake letter. And yeah. if you don't know that reference, I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> I only know it secondarily. I only know it from, uh, from old cartoons, from Bugs Bunny cartoons. <laughs> Because uh, he used to, he, they did a parody of it called "People Are Phony," and Bugs Bunny one. That's not, so I had to go back and look up what that was. Because I don't, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of it. Which is, that's a strange thing about pop culture. Is a lot of our pop culture we know secondhand. Yes. So, and in fact, a lot of people think I just know it enough to get the reference out of it. But yeah. no, I have actual. Now he used to talk to kids, and he was very. Yeah. Uh, he was very uh, charming, and um, I just did a little short film thing that. Carol Leifer wrote the great Carol Leifer oh, it's yeah. me and Jane Lynch and okay. so that was a thrill because I think she's hilarious so yeah. that might win I'm hoping that wins a short film Oscar but the the kid court thing is that's in limbo still or is that it's in limbo we're taking media, you know, everything you know we're there's a lot of things that are being done on the web now yeah. so but you never know. You could go to a meeting, and the next week the, the the offices you go to could be abandoned because the web is still nebulous. You know, I didn't even realize Yahoo was making original TV until I accidentally stumbled on to show you how well they promoted it. Uh, that other space series that's got from Paul Feig of uh, of uh, Freaks and Geeks, right? And uh, yes, well, you and a lot of really funny people. And it's, it's a pretty nice little show, and I only found it completely by accident because when I go to write fake news for the podcast, 
I usually go to Yahoo News because it's easier just to run through that to see what's interesting and pluck out setups. And then I happen to see a thing for it saying, oh, watch our new show. I'm like, oh, okay. And that's and, uh, Yeah, I mean, that's everybody who, you know, like uh, Amazon has yeah. programming. Netflix. Uh, UPS Second Day Air <laughs> is a channel. <laughs> UPS Ground is a channel now. Yeah. But it, so it takes three days to get the show, though, and I'd be a lot patient. That's that. right. Three yeah. days. Yeah. So the bus to for the show to get to San Diego takes one day from LA. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, um, oh, you were supposed to be in Cincinnati, I think, too, a couple of weeks ago, and I almost interviewed. Yeah, you. it was fun. I had a good time there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you're in Minneapolis uh, up next. So you're still doing a lot of touring then. Yeah, I'll be in Minneapolis the seventh through the eleventh, and I would say that it's about two weekends a month. And it's kind of cool, because in the old days, when I started comedy, you went for like seven days to a club. Oh, yeah. Now they're like Thursday, Friday. except for Acme, which is still Tuesday through Saturday. I love going there, though. Oh, yeah. I love Minneapolis. And I always end up going in the summer, so it's like perfect. Yeah. Uh, any chance to make it down for Brouhaha here in Cincinnati in August? Have they approached you about that? Uh, no, what is the Brouhaha? It's a, a comedy festival here we have on the river. It's a three-day festival, and uh, it's a mixture of beer and comedians and there's a headliner. oh i'm yeah headliner. i'm ready to do it there you go there's a headliner each night and then there's uh comedians uh local regional and national on the big stages and small uh throughout the day uh you know and of course they get progressive the, the local and the regional guys are on in the afternoon when it opens up and then uh you get to more of the regional guys, maybe the guys that are headlining, but have maybe only been on TV once. As you get into the seven, eight, eight o'clock hour, and then at nine, there's a. See, last year was uh, Tom Arnold uh, was a headliner. Oh, wonderful! And Sklar Brothers, and um, yeah, and but I had a great talk with Tom Arnold. I was I was mad at him for years for no reason. <laughs> he's a super nice guy, and he actually is genuinely funny and a good. Uh, he's like a Bill Belichick of comedy, because I guess according to David Feldman, he built the whole writing room on Roseanne. You know, even though he wasn't actively maybe writing a lot, he could spot the talent and brought in Norm Macdonald and all kinds of people oh. into that show. I never heard of anybody called the Bill Belichick of comedy. Yeah, just in the way that, well, as being a Browns fan, that was what we were always told back when he was our coach, is that well, he, he's, a, he's a big talent guy. He can spot talent. And we're like, yeah, sure. And then, of course, he runs off and wins a bunch of Super Bowls, not for us. So. Right, right. Yeah. I have never been... Uh, uh, Every t- time I go on stage, I consider it the Super Bowl of comedy. <laughs> there you go. All right. There's some kind of deflation joke in there somewhere. I'm not sure what it is, but I think whatever. Uh, well, I have a, a software program that can add any joke that seems to come up <laughs> during the interview. So I can I can definitely, uh, if I went in the studio and mixed this down, yeah. I'll add more jokes. Uh, okay. We'll do that in post, as they say. Well, terrific, man. <laughs> Good talking to you, as always. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put a bug in, uh, in the ear of the folks at Brouhaha and see if they can and pull you in. That'd be great. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. I'm, all, I'm, almost, I'm, all, I'm almost always available, okay. my slogan. <laughs> all right, sounds good, man. I'll, I'll hey, great the, talking to you. I'll make that the tag on the podcast when the episode drops. All right, and this will, of course, be in City Pages the week you're there, in print and online, as always. So all kinds of coverage. Perfect. Great, man. All right, good talking to you guys. Hey, be good. Take and, care. Thanks again to Andy Kindler for being on the show. You can catch Andy in Minneapolis at the Acme Comedy Club. 
and that is July the 7th through July the 11th. So mark your calendars for all things Andy Kindler. Go to andykindler.com. Very easy. Okay, great. So the uh, credits, as usual, uh, original music composed and performed by John Varopoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. PFT Recorder logo designed by Dan Coble. Like the podcast on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at pf 66 and let me see, we're up to the hottest record in the world by my reckoning. And uh, this song uh, came to us kind of in an odd way. Uh, Pat Francis over on the Rock Solid podcast does what he likes to call a uh, instant listen. And what he does is he takes a CD that he's gotten in the mail to review for the Pop Culture Beast. And then he opens it right there while they're doing the show. And then he reviews it along with whoever his co-host is, uh, April or uh, Murray or uh, uh, Siegel or uh, uh, Christy Stratton. Um, and then Kyle, too, will jump in, and they'll just drop the uh, the laser, as it were, through the CD and see what they think of it. And uh, he got this one, though. It wasn't in the mail. He went to a party, as I understand it, and then uh, some director that he knows or something gave him this CD and said, my brother or my cousin is in this band, and the band is called Yes, Dear. They're from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Pat played the power cut called uh, Baby Don't Go, and when he uh, played it, I recognized the song. I thought, oh, this is an old song from the 70s they're covering, and I could not for the life of me remember who did the song, but I remember it being a pretty big hit, although I was wrong. It was really strange. I, so I tracked it down. The song was written by a woman named Carla Bonoff, and she released a single of it in 1980, and it got to number 69 on the Hot 100. And I thought, well, surely somebody else covered this. this is how I know the song. Cannot find another version of it that I know. Went through Spotify, went through iTunes, uh, Wikipedia it. Cannot find who else did this song. I'm guessing I might have been a regional hit in Ohio where I grew up or something like that. But um, I recognize the tune. It was probably a country artist that covered it originally and I think had a hit with it in my recollection. Anyway, the song is Baby Don't Go. The group is Yester. They're from Nashville, Tennessee. And it is the hottest record in the world. So long and thanks for listening. You're taking all I've got and now you're leaving Ooh, baby, don't go I thought love was something till we're leaving Ooh, baby, don't go I've seen it in your face It's in your eyes when you turn away You think it's all a waste You're going today I won't pretend Try it again Whatever